Welcome to the Fod Eater Fod Pass. <laughs> What's up, y'all? It's Froth here. Thought Eater Podcast, Thought Eater Blog, Psionic Platypus Zine. And I want to thank you, first of all, for listening very much. Appreciate you checking out the show. It is Wednesday, so that means it is the Hump Day Bloggerama show. What does that even mean? Well, this show is all about celebrating and supporting RPG bloggers. And uh, so I spend some time throughout the week following hundreds of blogs, picking out some content that I thought was really cool that I want to share with others. And I'll talk about it here and discuss it on the podcast. And then I put the highlights over on the Thought Eater blog. And that is frothsoft, frothsofdnd.blogspot.com. If you don't want to try to remember that, just Google the Thought Eater blog and you can find it. I've uh, been building up some good archives under the Hump Day Bloggerama label. So if you want to check some uh, previous episodes out and see some of this uh, stuff, um, it doesn't get old. So check that out. So look, the first thing I want to talk about today, um, if you follow RPG blogs along at all, or RP- OSR blogs especially, uh, you're probably aware of the passing of James Smith and if you've listened to this show before, you've heard me say, if you only follow one OSR blog, make it the dreams of mythic fantasy, which was James's blog. So it is a mammoth loss. He is a huge inspiration to me. Um, and I know to others, and I'm going to talk a little bit about the legacy, the stuff that he leaves behind for us. But first I want to say and express my deepest sympathies to his family and friends. And I want to also mention, if you want to help support the family with funds associated with this, you can PayPal. They've set up a PayPal for it. It's paypal.me forward slash James Smith memory. That's all singular. So paypal.me James Smith memory. And I can tell you, it means something to the family. They put up a post today uh, where I'd linked it and said, thank you so much. We are grateful and overwhelmingly touched by the kindness and generosity of the RPG community. Much love and thanks from James son and family. So if you've got the means and, you know, search your heart and if you're able to, you know, give something to help them out. Um, and I've said before, I know James would be boosted if it was you, this, you know, James would be sharing this and, 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 and trying to help your family. I, I believe that a hundred percent. So the story of James blogging doesn't start with dreams of mythic fantasy. You go back to the underdark Gazette and, uh, started in Oh nine. And you can start to see just a few little hints of what was to come. We'd refer to them as, as odds and ends. Might mention a review, do a little review and say, and some odds and ends. So you'll start to see, you know, the seeds germinating for uh, what was to come. And then it looks like, I don't, somebody posted, did a, um, a podcast recently where they talked about the story behind Targa. I don't know, and I can't remember the exact story, and I, I, I didn't want a participant or anything of it, so I don't know enough about exactly how it worked to want to comment too deeply on it. But as far as Targa goes, they had a blog, and so James started doing some of the OSR News blogs over on Targa. And that kind of, you know, whatever, petered out 
fell apart. Um, and before you know it, in 2010, he's doing the OSR News on um, the Underdark Gazette blog. And throughout 2010, 2011, and to, through the beginning of 2012, it's OSR News. And, you know, at that time, there was no Google Plus, you know, and everybody was kind of spread out on different forums, kind of different islands. And the OSR News is something that really helped bring everyone together under an OSR label helped solidify it as a scene, as a movement, as a, as a what collective, however you want to think about it. And, you know, the OSR doesn't have any historian. We don't have a John Peterson, you know, maybe one day, but these posts from 2010, 2011, all these OSR news posts are priceless as far as a historical record of the OSR goes. You're seeing the major seminal releases, you know, the Swords and Wizardry Complete, the Advanced Edition Companion for Labyrinth Lord, the Rise of Lamentations of Flame Princess, all this in real time with comments and commentary, people experiencing it um, as it happened, as it came out. So whether you're new to the OSR or you, you know, you're, you've been there from the beginning, fascinating stuff, priceless timeless to check out and um you know james was on top of it helping to build it and so 2012 james switched over to the dreams of mythic fantasy blog um you can decide for yourself whether it was paranoia or prescience to do so but uh there was concern about underdark the term being um ip of wizards and now how wizards has pursued some people maybe it wasn't paranoid at all you know but um and so there are a few OSR news posts at the beginning of 2012. And then, like many of us um, at that time period, the, the blogging kind of really slows down. And, you know, part of it, I'm sure, is just raising a, you know, raising a son, um, you know, real life. And part of it, I think, too, with Google+, Plus, you know, as opposed to having to bring everybody under an umbrella from all these different areas once everybody's in one place centralized at google plus as it was a lot of people's blogs kind of slowed down and lay fallow there for a while um maybe didn't feel the that it was as needed you know so um then later you know when google plus is going away you know well first of all you could tell it was never too far in his mind because there'd be an occasional post, like a 2016 post, a post or two with OSR News. You could tell it's still in the back of his mind um, that it had never really gone away. And then um, as Google Plus was uh, announced that it was going to be shutting down, you see um, in October of 2018, the OSR News start back up. Kind of the rest is history. The greatest aggregation of OSR Releases, Kickstarters, um, blog posts, interviews, everything that there was to 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 follow, uh, you, you would you would see there, and um, just doing fantastic work um, right up until right up until the end, and um, you know, for me. The best thing about the OSR is the DIY spirit. And the reason I 
really respond to blogs in particular is because they are such a distillation really of the individual, the individuality of different creators. You know, they kind of reflect, they reflect a lot about the blogger, um, whether it's, you know, somebody that's real open about sharing personal details or, or uh, more guarded, what games you're into, your gaming philosophy, a little bit about the, your family, how you places you live influence your gaming, um, even politics, personal preferences on things, right? It, your own unique, you know, your own uniqueness is expressed in the blog. And so, you know, if you're a blogger, what does your blog say about you? You know, I can tell you what James blog said about him. First of all, he had a deep love for old school gaming, for classic gaming. Second, he had a selfless nature. And what do I mean by that? Well, to be, you know, to do an OSR news, you can't just be picking favorites and just talking about stuff that you like and, and everything else. You have to be objective. And James was that. And he was plugging everything, whether it's something he bought or not, whether it was maybe someone he likes or not, or whatever. And that's where the selflessness comes in. He's doing it for the scene, doing it for the OSR. Now, you know, granted, he had a Patreon, but that little Patreon didn't even, wasn't even a drop in the bucket on the time and effort that he spent doing this. So he had a selfless nature, which I really admired he was doing it for the OSR, for the scene, to help it grow, to help people out. And he also had a commitment, you know, almost like a sense of duty or responsibility. He talked about how many hours it took, but basically I call BS on that. If you're doing what he was doing, you're never really not working on it. Every time you see something, anything that could fit into the news... He's sending it to himself or bookmarking it or whatever. So he's always working on it, always. And I knew that he loved doing it and knew it was necessary, needed work, and that it was important work that he was doing. And that's how I kind of knew that something was going on when he missed a week because even if he'd gone on vacation in you know, Hawaii, he would have put up a post saying he was going to miss a week. So knew something was up with that. And then finally, <clears throat> he had a wisdom and a knowledge. You can't do what he was doing without being very connected to the OSR, without uh, knowing it, without having been, you know, you only get that kind of knowledge from experience and time. And he was there, you know, from the beginning of it. You know, and I'm somebody that, not to toot my own horn, but I like to think that I'm pretty tuned in on things. I follow it and follow along, and I would still see something, at least something, on the OSR news that I wasn't aware of. So, I, God only knows how many blogs and, you know, creators and everything that he was following. Um, it's astounding. So... When I started this podcast, um, James was a big inspiration to me, not just the way that he worked 
but always uh, also the way that he treated others. You know, I wasn't there for every interaction he's ever had in his life or whatever, obviously. Nobody's a perfect angel, but I always saw James, um, let's just say, I always saw James carry himself with a lot of class and discussions with people online. And when you think about how people can be online, especially, heck, in real life, to be able to say that someone exudes class is probably the biggest compliment I can give somebody. And I knew that I wanted to do something supporting the bloggers because blogs got me, blogs brought me into a deeper connection with RPGs, with OSR. That was a gateway for a deeper connection for me. And I knew with G plus ending that I wanted to do something supporting the blogs because I think it's important. And, um, when I did my hump day bloggerama first one, James was so supportive. I'm so thankful for that. He told me it was cool and, you know, he boosted the signal and, and mentioned it. And <clears throat> I know other people have had that same feeling from, from him boosting your stuff and, and know, you know, what kind of person he was. And, um, you know, I just really wanted to, I knew James is always going to be the big show. You know, James stuff is like the surf and turf dinner, <laughs> a big old filet and lobster tail with a big baked potato and maybe some sinful decadent creme brulee or something for dessert. And I just wanted to, I just wanted to try to compliment what he was doing, you know, be like a little, you know, the little after dinner coffee with it, you know? And, um, he just, he, he, he made me feel good about it. And, I he, he just, uh, um, it just meant a lot as I, 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 I found, uh, found his work, the quality of it to be outstanding and so necessary and needed, especially now with everybody scattered to the winds on all kinds of crazy, weird social media platforms that I never even heard of in my life before Google Plus was going away. James was really needed to uphold it all under that OSR umbrella. And it's just a, a huge, huge loss. I don't want to be negative. I want to celebrate all the, in the incredible work and legacies leaving. But when I think about how needed his work was, uh, it just, it's heartbreaking. Uh, lost the person, first of all, you know, raising his son up to play RPGs. Like we all, you know, try to raise our kids. It's such a great way to bond with them, to have, spend time with your family. So your heart breaks for the family. And then my heart really breaks for the scene because his work was so vitally important. Um, and he was the perfect person to do it because I don't know who, I, you know, I've said there's a hole in the OSR because I don't know who's going to fill it because, you know, I mean, lots of people love, love it. It's true. But are they objective? You know, can they carry on? Can they be objective? And if they can be objective and love it, can they? 
spend the time and the commitment. And if they even, if they have the time and the love and the objectivity needed, do they have the wisdom and the, the knowledge and the deep connection to the scene to even be able to pull it off? Uh, I just don't know. But the bottom line is, um, we lost a great one. Uh, so cheers, James. Thanks for everything. Had a couple of quick call-ins from, uh, from last week, uh, from last week's hump day bloggerama. So take it away. You legendary anchorites. Hey froth. It's Rob from down in a heap. Thanks for the shout out on your bloggerama and all the calls you have to my podcast and the conversations that ensue from them. And for, you know, just the bloggerama in general, it's a great aid to all of us who want to keep up on those things. And happy birthday to you and a side of fries to you. Happy birthday, dear Froth. Happy birthday to you and many blogs more. See ya. Hey Froth, Spiper here, just calling in regarding your recent episode. You mentioned Minions in 4E, amongst many other things, but uh, I never played 4E, and um, you explained it enough so that I understood the concept. And yeah, that is something that I also do in 5E, much like you uh, described yourself doing. When you can't be bothered to track stuff, you know, it's just uh, they're one-hit wonders, they're hit and done, and uh, I don't see a problem with that. I'm also quite a fan of the average hit points for monsters. Uh, it's talked about in 5e, and it's in the monster manual for your convenience there. And, uh, yeah, sometimes you just want that one and done, get the fight, you know, hordes of hordes of baddies, c- characters cutting through them. You don't want them just standing there with one hit point. I mean, that's kind of rubbish. So, yeah, excellent cast, mate. Take care. So you just heard from Rob C. from the Down in a Heat podcast here on Anchor. I love the Down in a Heat podcast. If y'all have never listened to it, you should check it out. Um, Rob is uh, currently starting to talk about kind of uh, designing a game. And uh, he had done a great episode about how neglected and pitiful the D12 is, you know. <laughs> and the history of games and D and D especially. And, um, so he's going to give some love to the D 12 on that. And it's got a lot of interesting thoughts about how to approach a game. Um, and, and so it's something just really worth listening to. His whole podcast is, is great to be honest with you. I've enjoyed uh, every episode. So, and he's, he's a great singer if you, you couldn't tell already. And then you also heard from Colin green Spike Pitt, one of the heart and souls of the legendary world-renowned OSR anchorites there. Uh, referring to an article from last week on uh, minions and using minions in your 5e game. You know, one hit and done. You know, one and done uh, creatures and everything. And Colin's been doing a whole series over on the Spike Pit um, podcast on 5th edition. And it's been interesting because you've had some strong opinions some people liking it, some people not liking it. 
Um, and Colin's the perfect guy to kind of be in the center of that and mediate that, um, that kind of conversation. So some really good stuff happening on their podcast right now. Y'all should check them out. Uh, Colin's also started a Patreon. If you want to be part of the pit crew and support his, uh, podcast, you check that out as well. And I appreciate you gentlemen, you legends for the call-ins. All right, so I always talk about maps on this show because I just love maps. And I, uh, I've i tried to, every time I see a mapper or something, I try to add them to my blog roll or follow the you know a feed if their site has it. or um, and, and sometimes it'll lead me to other blogs. So I, I end up following just some straight-up cartography blogs that aren't necessarily RPG specific, but, you know, so many times real life maps, real life, anything can help inform and inspire your game. And one of the blogs I follow is mapoftheweek.blogspot.com. This is a great map, as you might guess from the title. They put up a cool map a week, and it's always something really interesting. Uh, and this week was really cool. Um, they put up a post, La Jolla Map Museum, Maps of Historical Interest. And uh, I've actually been to La Jolla once. It's one of the most beautiful towns in the United States I've ever been to um, out in California and there's a map and atlas museum there in La Jolla and they put up a cool post I put up a couple of uh, photographs like one of the earliest recorded maps in history baked onto a clay tablet <laughs> so you want to talk <laughs> you might say yeah froth you really like to kick it old school <laughs> taking it back to cuneiform so this is a, you know, they think it might be a, it's a parcel of land with the ownership and dimensions in cuneiform, might be a legal document or been used as a teaching tool for surveying. But if you were like old school maps, you're really going to love this cuneiform map on a clay tablet. Uh, there was another cool world map from the 1500s um, that I just thought I love the style on, so... Uh, other cool maps and stuff that they saw at the La Jolla Museum. And then just a cool blog, too, to just check out the different maps of the week. So go over to mapoftheweek.blogspot.com, have a look at that. Uh, then uh, over at iconicmaps.com, um, this, uh, let's see if it's got a name, Tad Davis. This is Tad Davis's um, blog and uh, collection. Um, I've seen some of Tad's stuff up for sale on um drive through and stuff where you can uh, at a certain level you can purchase it to use it for commercial products and stuff like that well there's a a post up called the sundown commission a map recently completed for grass watch games and the game is set at the site of an ancient meteor impact and i love this map you can see obviously where the meteor impacted it but it's like a you know um it's got around the ring of it, uh, close-ups of different areas of this sundown setting. And I just thought it was a really cool map. You'll have to go over to the blog and look at it, but uh, then go over to iconic maps and, and look at some more Tad's work. It's really quality, really neat. And then a really cool post, um, at the Elthos RPG post. And this is a VB words, um, blog and I, I followed VB around on social media. I know at Google Plus and then um, also um, uh, now over at MeWe. I see uh, VB has set up some different um, 
gaming groups. You know, he's got a, a, a reviews um, group over there and some GM support groups and stuff. And so it does a lot to help organize people and, and you know, is into the scene. And this post over there is called The Overly Ambitious Campaign Design. And it, besides the awesome maps, it's a, it's an interesting read. Um, it's kind of long. It's not one you're going to want to just, you know, you can just bounce through in a second or anything, but it's kind of what went right and what went wrong on a campaign they're running and uh, how they utilize the old um, Dark Shadows uh, kind of horror soap opera in it and a bunch of other interesting stuff. I think for GMs, this is one that's interesting. But it talks about how they were influenced by this... Um, isometric map of an underground city in Turkey called Darren Kuyu. And I'll put that picture up of this underground city in uh, Turkey that influenced them to create some other maps. And I put one of those up that uh, VB did of this lair, this kind of cool um, isometric underground lair thing that was influenced by this Turkish underground city, subterranean city. So really unique and interesting looking and uh, cool. And like I said, that's a, actually a good read um, just in general, not just because of the maps over there at the overly ambitious campaign, campaign design post over at Elthos RPG. So some cool map stuff. Kick it, you guys like to kick it old school? We'll kick it really old school. So you can always count on the blog scene to give you cool reviews and cool retrospectives on products, new products, old products, whatever. And one I wanted to mention is the uh, How Heavy This Axe blog, Dominic over there. Uh, this is actually heavyliestheaxe.blogspot.com, heavyliestheaxe.blogspot.com. Uh, the title of the blog is How Heavy This Axe. They've got two parts up so far on this um, Dark Sun retrospective. And... It's not all positive, you know. Sometimes I think people look at stuff, uh, these retrospectives, and it's all super positive. But uh, this one talks about how Dark Sun could have been cool, how they draw you in with the imagery and has some good stuff in the premise. But then, uh, in their opinion, the, um, the execution wasn't so good. And I thought it was really good reading. You know, sometimes you'll see someone be critical of Dragonlance. It's kind of easy target with the uh, railroad modules and everything. But you don't see somebody, you know, give some honesty about Dark Sun all the time. And uh, I don't know. I thought this was a cool read. Um, and so if you want to agree with Dominic or disagree and tell him Dark Sun was the best thing of all time, go over to heavyliesyaxe.blogspot.com and check out those Dark Sun posts. There was another uh, post over at Hearts and Glorantha, heartsandglorantha.d101games.com. Uh, it says the rune case slipcase, the rune quest slipcase has arrived. Now this is one that I know have been kind of delayed and everything, uh, but it's finally out and it looks looks expensive <laughs> for one thing, but it looks really nice as well. And uh, this isn't a super detailed review, but it's a couple of images of what you're getting with it and kind of details uh, the contents, the rule book, the bestiary, and the uh, Game Master screen pack. So if you want to get kind of a sneak peek at the RuneQuest box set, if you're thinking about purchasing that, the slipcase rather, you can go over to heartsandglorantha.d101games.com and check that out. 
mentioned uh, Ramanon over at Save vs. Total Party Kill last week. And I also mentioned Silent Titans coming out, Patrick Stewart's latest. And um, this isn't a full-scale review over there, but um, it is kind of enigmatic. Kind of makes me want to check it out because it kind of talks about how similar to the famed Deep Carbon Observatory adventure, um, the way the book is is done. Um, it's not... Uh, it doesn't give you a big, you know, flow chart or layout the contents and it, you kind of, the, the reader, the GM is reading it. It's unfolding to the reader, the GM, the same as it would a player. And, uh, it made me really in, more interested in it than I previously was. And, um, so I think this is, if you want to get hyped up for silent Titans, go re, uh, read what uh, Ramanan had to say at say versus total party kill about it. Tomas Elise at the Vorpal Mace blog, vorpalmace.blogspot.com, did a really cool review going back to old school um, We Warriors reprints part two, the, the Dwarven Glory from uh, 1977. And I thought this was cool. Uh, same company that did uh, Palace of the Vampire Queen. It was like uh, maybe, the, I, th I guess it was the first adventure. I think that actually came out. Maybe it was the first adventure. I know my history as well as some other people. It may have been the first actual published D&D um, &D adventure. But um, this is going one, the Dwarven Glory. It says, not to be mistaken with the unfortunately named Judges Guild classic, Glory Hole Dwarven Minds. <laughs> oh, boy. The 13-year-old boy in me finds that funny. Forgive me. Uh but one of the cool parts is here talking about this this module. My absolute favorite is the mess in section F. There's a minotaur who will put a geish uh, on the party to recover his son. Two ogres in the neighborhood who hate him. The minotaur's lost son with a gem of insanity around his neck on his way to kill the ogres. Twenty ghouls wait, working for the minotaur. Ten lizardmen on friendly terms with the minotaur and a cave troll to whom they will try to lure the party. And a lich will put a geish on the visitors to recover the young minotaur's head. It's effing brilliant. It's uh, it sounds like there's a lot going on in uh, the Dwarven Glory, and this is one that's been reprinted recently, so it's available on PDF. Uh, actually, by print and PDF. So if you want to kick it really old school, but go back 42 years for the Dwarven Glory, uh, this is a really interesting uh, review of one of the first uh, one of the first modules there was. Um, over at the Vorpal Mace blog. So check that out if you're into that. And then something I really liked at the Retroist, retroist.com, retroist.com. They do a series on these old AD&D Dungeons and Dragons monster cards, and they put one up about the Gripply. And uh, the artwork on these old cards is so cool. Um, this one's got Errol Otis art and... Uh, They've got a whole series on these, and it talks about the Gripply creature through different editions a little bit. Really neat, and this whole series on these Dungeons & Dragons monster cards is awesome. So, uh, And I actually, the, the Retroists, they, they've had some cool stuff up there recently. They did like a podcast on the terrible, god-awful E.T. Uh, e. Um, rip-off movie, Mac and Me. <laughs> I can remember... 
that's the first movie I ever literally walked out of. Me and my brother went to, we were just hanging out in the mall and we went to a dollar movie one day and there was like nothing playing and we were like macking me. We were like, oh, we knew it looked bad then. Still went in for a dollar and we just watched it to, you know, watch like half of it. Like, let's just get out of here. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like the only people in the theater watching Mac and me. Oh my gosh. They did a Mac and me podcast. And uh, so anyway, go over the retroist and check that out. Those, the, the artwork, those cards look cool. That'd be a cool collector's item to try to hunt down uh, sometime. So that's what I got as far as reviews and retrospectives. You got a little dark sun, a little new rune quest, that new silent Titans, uh, the Wii warriors, Dwarven glory, and these old AD and D monster cards. I also saw a lot of cool world building kind of resource blog posts this week, um, that were definitely were, uh, worth mentioning. One is actually at worldbuildingwizard.com. Worldbuildingwizard.com. And this post is called How to Find Images for Your World. And it's kind of a guide to how you can find images uh, searching Google um, that are available for use through different Creative Commons licenses or ones that are public domain and stuff like that. So if you want to go and look for historical images and otherwise that you could use in your game or publication and find out if it's creative commons or public domain. It's got a guideline to that. And then some awesome resources are really cool at the bottom favorite place to find images. And it's like public domain, historical images from the British library, uh, free stock images, free texture images, free fonts, free icons. This is a great, great post to bookmark how to find images for your world. Uh, highly recommend checking that out and along those lines at crumblingkeep.com crumblingkeep.com put up a post crumbling upkeep sounds for your game and it's a kind of a guide to trying to find music for your game i don't use a ton of music in my game it always distracts me as a gm there's times though when they had the jukebox they've since tweaked that and kind of ruined that for roll 20 um but they had this jukebox thing where you could just find a bunch of songs. So I'd play the old Benny Hill yakety sax when the party had to run away from somewhere, you know. And um, uh, when I ran Curse of Strahd, they had some Rocky Horror on there. I always do Strahd as uh, Frankenfurter. But anyway, um, it's got some links to places like Sirenscape where you can find pre-made music or tabletop audio and um, some other links and stuff like that. Um, so if you, you're looking for some ambient music or cool background music for your game, uh, to help bring your, your game to life with your world, world building, uh, you can check out the crumbling upkeep sounds for your game. And then I saw a cool post at the savants rants, the ranting savant.blogspot.com person does a lot of, uh, twilight 2000 play and they did this 20 quick questions for any Twilight 2000 campaign. And this is based off Jeff Reint's, uh 2011 20 quick questions for your campaign setting post, which is one of the famed iconic OSR blog posts that there is. Um, and it's kind of asking yourself 20 questions to help develop your camp campaign setting for world building. 
You know, what's the deal with my cleric's religion? Where can we go to buy standard equipment? Um, blah, 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 you know. Um, what is there to eat around here? Any legendary lost treasures I could be looking for? You get the idea. Where can I hire mercenaries? And over at the Ranting Savant, they put up the 20 questions, kind of rephrased a little bit for Twilight 2000. So I thought that was cool, worth a read at the, at the rantingsavant.blogspot.com. I also put a post up to Jeff's game blog, uh, 20 quick questions for your campaign setting, if you never saw that before. Um, so between the 20 questions, getting a little ambient sound, finding some images that you can use in your product or for your game or whatever. Uh, you're, you know, I thought this stuff could be helpful if you're uh, doing some world building or uh, devising your next campaign setting, that kind of thing. All right, I hope you all are still with me. I'd understand if sometimes you got to break up these to listen to them. That's a lot. I know it's a lot, but there's a lot of cool stuff, and i got to got to share it with you all. I, I, I cut the stuff down into where I, I feel like I can't cut anymore because it's just too cool and I've just got the urge to share it. So thanks for bearing with me. I uh, hope you're enjoying it. Uh, I've got some cool stuff now on the random table front over at Tarsos Theorem, Tarsos, T-A-R-S-O-S, theorem.blogspot.com, Saker Tarsos. I've talked about Saker's blog before. They put up this awesome solar system die drop table. Two versions, one's like print, print friendly. One will... Uh, you know, it's totally black and will just eat your whole cartridge. So, uh, but it's just a cool die drop table to, to generate a solar system. And so you can download that, uh, PDF over there. Really cool. You check that out. Solar system die drop table and the Joe sky, the dungeon brawlers blog. I'm not even going to try to describe this person's blog. They kind of started blogging more recently and, uh, it's, kind of a satire kind of kind of uh, well i'm not even going to try to describe it but there's a post what do to do when a thief fall happened and uh so just to give you an idea it's a 2d8 table roll 2d8 and if you get 17 it says roll again twice times <laughs> you can't even get a 17 <laughs> So anyway, I left a comment saying I keep getting 17s. It's just one you'll have to look at so and see if it's for you, if the humor there is, is something that appeals to you or not. Uh, that's over at joesky.thedungeonbrawler.wordpress.com. What do to do when a thief fall happened? Okay, the Mance. I talked about Cackle Charm last week. Uh, really enjoying the Mance Gaming blog. The Mancegaming.blogspot.com. Cool idea called Pantheon Generator. I don't, man, I'm going to sound like the laziest DM ever, and I probably am, but I don't ever spend much time putting together a pantheon of uh, gods or anything for my settings. I almost always just use Greyhawk anyway, so I always use Greyhawk uh, deities. But this was a cool idea of generating a fictional world's pantheon. And then uh, put up a example of how to use it with the elf pantheon and so um, if you're ever stuck on how to put this together or just don't have any ideas or all your ideas just feel kind of generic or maybe you want them to feel generic or feel like roman or uh greek you know iconic deities and stuff from history or maybe you're wanting something completely off the wall and just need a little help 
this was a cool idea um, uh, on how to generate uh, Pantheon for your game. So go over to themansgaming.blogspot.com. Cackle Charm's killing it over there. Good job. And then finally, I love this post from Reverence Pavane at And He Built a Crooked Dungeon. It's Reverence Pavane, P-A-V-A-N-E, reverencepavane.blogspot.com. This post is called The Most Important Encounter Table. And it's talking about um, the original City State of the Invincible Overlord by Judges Guild, and then later the Judges Guild Ready Ref Sheets, how they had an encounter table that is not as you know not so much about what you encounter but why is it an encounter so it's your attack by surprise attacked there are slanders insults whatever you encounter questions the players propositions the players or a special encounter and this kind of morphed into something similar on one of my favorite supplements of all time cities the chaosium uh re, kind of retooling of a midkemia press uh, product it's a, a great, great um, book for running cities with all these kind of cool city encounters and, and stuff in there. But I thought this was really interesting for GMs to read because it's almost, um, in a way, it incorporates, it's kind of like putting the reaction table on the front end of the encounter in some ways. So um, let's see. Uh, trying to avoid one of those classic froth silence silence points okay yeah so here's a good sentence for example you don't just meet a mercenary warrior you meet a lonely mercenary warrior who wants a friend or a band of mercenary warriors recruiting for a mission context is king so i, I liked this post a lot the most important encounter table remind me to break out my ready ref sheets i haven't had that at my table um in a minute um and i don't know why uh that's my bad Lots of cool stuff in there. Random elements from those the original Judges Guild. Uh, the original kings of random tables. So go over to reverencepavane.blogspot.com, the And He Built a Crooked Dungeon um, blog, and check out that post on the most important encounter table. There were several uh, just miscellaneous posts, uh, like there are many weeks that... that I just found to be interesting reading. So I thought I'd share them with y'all and maybe y'all will enjoy them too and go check them out. Um, several different things. I'm just going to bounce through, um, scrap princesses, blog monster manual, sewn from pants.blogspot.com. Um, there's a post exacts in the theater of mind. And, uh, she talks about Google plus for a bit at the beginning and then gets into, uh, some ideas about theater of the mind combat saying that basically, and this is how I usually do it. I have to confess, uh, kind of just being real loose with theater of the mind, you know, you're either beside something or you aren't, and I don't put a ton of, um, you know, thought into distance and tactics sometimes with it. Um, but there, there's some ideas here about hiding behind things, uh, staying out of the way, staying within range, using long weapons and, and the like that, um, are, are good food for thought for, uh, running theater, their mind combat. So you can go over and check out that exacts in theater in the theater of the mind post over at monster manual, sewn from pants. Then there was a cool, um, post at Thaco rpg.blogspot.com, the Thaco blog. Let's see what this person's name is, if it says it. 
it doesn't have their name listed, but they're talking about um, the end of their game coming up. Oh, by Dr. Duck Butter. <laughs> Which I, I should have just said by Anonymous. Uh, Dr. Duck Butter over at the Thacko blog, uh, thackorpg.blogspot.com, put up a post about their campaign ending and how they're having issues with it. And if you've ever ended a campaign, you know, maybe you had a great ending, maybe you had a bad ending. In this case, they were running into some issues. They had told the players it was ending, so everyone stopped caring that much. Um, they don't want the game to end, and then they're afraid that their ending is, is not very good. So this was just one, uh, I think it was good for GMs to read, uh, just some interesting thoughts um, on, uh, can't, on you know, what happens when your campaign ends. Autocratic Wizardry, autocraticwizardry.blogspot.com. They put up a post, D&D is cool. They put up that famous uh, image of the, uh, you know, the guy in the overalls hanging out in the kitchen with one foot up on the wall holding the D&D book. <laughs> And uh, that famous ad, and then linked to a post over at the New York Times, actually, uh, recently, um, why the cool kids are playing Dungeons and Dragons. And it's just another way to look at how um, Dungeons and Dragons is getting more and more popular and is part of, uh, you know, culture right now in a big way. So you can go check those out. And then finally, uh, Ezra Bloom at Rose and Kingfisher, roseandkingfisher.blogspot.com. I don't usually, even though I do my own session recap, I don't usually get in too much. I don't usually read other people's that much because they're usually really dry. But this one I thought was different because Ezra's a really good writer. Uh, and, and Ezra's campaign sounds really funny and fun. Uh, and Ezra's running Dragon Heist with the uh, hack that uh, the Alexandrian did that I mentioned um in a previous hump day blogorama kind of remixed the whole dragon heist book. And so, uh, this is actually, you know, like I said, Ezra's a really uh, fun writer. I enjoy Ezra's writing quite a bit. So the reading through how they're doing, um, dragon heist with the Alexandrian, uh, Justin Alexander's remix of it was pretty cool, especially if you're ever thinking about running it or maybe you've, you've ran, you ran it and you want to see how someone else is doing it. So that I thought that was interesting. So just some miscellaneous stuff that caught my eye this week that might or may or may not be of interest to you, uh, but I enjoyed it. Community projects can really help you know be, bring people together, make you feel part of something. Uh, kind of keep the OSR together. I was kind of talking a little bit about that sort of thing. I was talking about James, and there are a few things you can participate in going on right now. Uh, that I'm calling, uh, putting under the heading of Join the Fun. And one is uh, Emmy Allen over at cavegirlgames.blogspot.com, Cave Girls Game Stuff blog. She put up a post about using the illustrations of Harry Clark to um, make a bestiary and getting people to submit some ideas, maybe do a print book with it. And this kind of brings it all the way back full circle because one of these Harry Clark... Um, illustrations is actually what James is using on the dreams of mythic fantasy blog. So kind of brings it all back together in a beautiful way. And I've seen too many bloggers to mention, uh, doing creatures for this thing. 
but I put up the original post, uh, the Harry Clark bestiary community project that, uh, cave girls putting together. And so go and check that out. You'll see some ideas, uh, the guidelines. You'll see a lot of comments from people that have already done it. If you've got some cool monster ideas, these illustrations of Harry Clark are remarkable. I love them. And, um, so go and check that out. Also wanted to mention because, uh, at CHGO Wiz, Chicago Wiz, who does uh, um, the three hex posts, you know, there'll be like just three hex campaign starters. Really cool idea and, and popular. I got reminded of this from Chicago Wiz there. It's just CHGOWIZ games.blogspot.com. Chicago Wiz. I put up a post about how the scoring works for the one page dungeon contest and it reminded me to remind y'all that May 1st is the deadline. So it's time to get cracking if you want to be part of the one page dungeon contest. And, uh, that means I got to crack the whip a little bit on my daughter cause she's got this killer idea, but we've got to take the drawing from a chalkboard and put it on paper to make it work. So maybe I'll be working on that this week, but the deadline's coming up soon. So I got the links there. You want to be part of the one page dungeon contest. Uh, it's a great way to get yourself published in a cool book. Um, even if you, even if you know, you're not going to win like myself, it's still fun though. <laughs> it's not about winning or losing. It's how you, uh, it's how much fun you have. And, uh, speaking of, um, other community projects that are still running for now, uh, I mentioned it last week talking about zines, but, uh, Nate Treem, uh, is doing the pamphlet dungeon jam over at itch.io forward slash jam forward slash pamphlet jam. Bunch of people are doing these. It runs till May 2nd. So a bunch of these are up already. I see 22 on here, some free, some, uh, with costs associated, but lots of cool stuff. So if you got an idea for one of these pamphlets, don't let it pass you by. Jump on in there. Be a part of it. These kind of community projects and stuff can help make you feel connected. And uh, so I recommend uh, joining in. So in closing today, I thought it fitting to talk a little bit about uh, some other folks that are doing some stuff to support the scene. Whether it's keeping you informed or providing you with a lot of uh, material, helpful material. And one is uh, Jennifer Fuss over at the Taylen blog, T E Y L E N dot blog. I've been following Jennifer on, I followed her on Google plus and now on MeWe and Twitter. And, um, she puts up these crowdfunding collection posts that collects everything on Kickstarter, not just role-playing games, but everything related to it, like containers and boxes, accessories, dice, uh, apps, pens, um, card games, board games, everything. And puts them up every couple of weeks, you know, every new Kickstarter. And, you know, this is one of the things that reminds me of James, the time and effort, selfless time and effort put to put this together. Uh, she deserves to be saluted for that. Jennifer, thank you. I also see Jennifer do a lot of work talking about uh, World of Darkness, Vampire of the Masquerade and stuff like that. This is an excellent resource if you want to watch your bank account run dry. <laughs> I highly recommend you go to Jennifer's Taylen blog, T-E-Y-L-E-N dot blog. Check that out. I've also put up posts in the past about ways you can 
find new blogs and follow along with blogs. And I, I discovered a different page at, at Alex Schroeder's campaign wiki.org, um, last week, uh, because Alex put up, uh, well, he, he's got a list of blogs post where it puts up a list of blogs from different people's blog roles or that people have, uh, collected. And he, he put my reader die blog roll up on there. Uh, it's over 700 at this point. I don't know if this automatically, um, pulls new ones in, new one in, new ones in or not, but, uh, also has, uh, Charles Aikens when, uh, years back, Charles did a great blog roll call to, put together some blogs back in 2013 and 2014. And, and it's just got a bunch of cool, you know, blogs. So if you're looking for more blogs, <laughs> if you're like me and you're always looking for new, more blogs, uh, this is a great, uh, way to, to do it and go over there and check out the list of blogs. Just wanted to salute some folks that were doing, um, more work on building community, keeping informed, uh, that James Smith spirit. And, um, so yeah, that's the show for this week. Um, I appreciate you listening. Anybody out there checking these out? Uh, thank you very much. I uh, it uh, it means a lot to me. You know, there's a blog called "Shouting Out the Void" or "Screaming Out the Void." Sometimes I know bloggers, podcasters, people feel like that's what they're doing. Uh, but I I know that uh, some people are enjoying these. So I appreciate that. Um, if you want to contact me, it's froth SOF SOF stands for side of fries. That's a long story for another time. Frothsoft at gmail.com, or there's a contact form on the thought eater blog. If you want to support what I do, you can share this, let somebody else know about it. You can add me to your blog roll, or you can also check out my Patreon. I've got a $1 a month Patreon, just one tier, really simple. If you like what I'm doing with the zine podcast, and or blog, you can back me for a buck a month over at patreon.com forward slash thought eater. I've also got some buttons over on the blog. You want to follow me on Twitter, hook up on MeWe, some other social media. Um, you know, I'm throwing it all at the wall and seeing what sticks. <laughs> but it's trying to stay connected to folks. It's important to me. If you want to hook up that way, you can check that out. Sonic Platypus Zine. Frothsoft dnd.blogspot.com. Com, com.